It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Brad Wolanski, CEO at Dover Savory, the largest multi-channel retailer of equestrian products in the United States. Brad brings a wealth of leadership and experience to the business, and beyond his 30 years in retail, his strengths in operational excellence, omni-channel marketing, and product development, coupled with his passion and drive to put the customer first, establishes him as a strong leader and mentor for growing brands. Prior to being appointed Dover Satterley's CEO, Brad has held executive and management positions at Performance Sports Group, Yankee Candle, The Orvis Company, Wilson's Leather, and L.L. Bean. He started his career running a family-owned group of luggage and gift stores after achieving his bachelor's degree in rhetoric at Bates College. Brad Wolanski, welcome into the corner office. Thanks, Brad. Ah, great to have you here. And uh, gosh, it's kind of a, a cold, uh, a colder fall day now in New England. I'm, I'm down the coast from you in New Haven. And boy, it is, it's nothing like clockwork in this part of the world, right? September 22nd comes <laughs> around and <laughs> we get a big rainstorm in and all of a sudden it's 60 degrees from the 80 degrees it's been. How is there it up you where you are today? There you go. That's, that's what you get in New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was telling a friend on the West Coast earlier today, you know, that's why I like the seasons. Having grown up in the Southwest and never really been you know in much of the seasonal effort you know you just have to be ready for it when it comes but it's it's never it's never too early it's always you know too it's too soon so that's right get it get out the snow shovel you get know, out yeah. the snow shovels get it already well that's a good place for us to start tell us a little bit about your early life where, where did you grow up and you know your nuclear family where, where did you originally come from well I was uh, raised in central New Jersey my okay. uh my dad worked for most of the career that I was alive in mm. Staten Island, which is a suburb of uh, New oh, York yeah. City. Yeah. And he, uh, he would commute over the Gothels Bridge to uh, Staten Island, where he uh, ran a luggage and leather goods business ah. that, he, that he took over from my grandfather. I see a theme here. <laughs> brothers and sisters? Three brothers. I'm the youngest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, um, Mom so, worked in the home. Was she uh, raising all, all four of you boys uh, pretty much full time, or did she also right. work outside of the home? That's yeah. right. She, no, she uh, she did that as her full time job, and it was a full time job. <laughs> I can imagine. Are you guys all just a couple of years apart? Um, well, I'm the youngest by uh, several years. Okay. Uh, my other brothers are a little tighter. My my uh, oldest brother is ten years older than I oh, am. Oh, right, right. 
I share that with you. I have an older 10 and an older seven year brother. And then I'm the caboose. Mm-hmm. I'm, the, I'm the third yep. one. <laughs> sure. They're along. There you go. And, and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned dad, uh, had his own business. Was he an entrepreneur? Did he get that, that business started? Did he work for someone else? What, tell us a little bit about that. Well, actually my, my dad was an optometrist by, oh. uh, by training right. and he got bored, so to speak. <laughs> uh, and my grandfather had some failing health. And so my dad went into the uh, family business at that point. Oh. This was in the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. And uh, so he was he was a Dr. Walansky to start with. Okay. And uh, uh, he ended up in retail. And right. and uh, my, my one of one of my other brothers also ended up in retail and and uh, two of my brother, other brothers didn't, but we all worked in the business uh, during the peak seasons. Yeah, right. Sure. As soon as you could probably clean a shell, uh, clean a shelf room or stock stock in the back or what kind of things did you do early on well, when you got started retail? Well, actually, uh, you know, we sold a lot of gifts, luggage and leather goods. And right. the earliest one of my earliest memories that I like to tell people about is my uh, my grandfather handing me a wallet and saying, run, run this back to the back room and get it monogrammed and hurry up. The lady's waiting. <laughs> wow. And you do the monogramming yourself. Uh, we did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all my brothers awesome. learned how to do it. We monogrammed yeah. uh, a small leather goods, wallets, and, and we had uh, what we called a school bag business. My, mm. my dad had arrangements with all of the private schools on Staten Island to uh, imprint in gold lettering the, the, wow. the student's name and the name of the school on these school bags that we manufactured. Cool. And it was quite the lucrative contract for a yeah, while. So we all, we all learned how to do that. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Were you a good student in school yourself? Yeah, I was okay. Uh, <laughs> I, you Things know, you like to do. Not, not, not triple A's, so to speak. Right, uh, right. But uh, I made my way through and, and uh, I wasn't too much trouble, I, I'd like to think. What about other activities, you know, sports, music, theater? I was mainly into theater and photography yeah. early on. Cool. And, and cool. Uh, did some theater in college. Um, and, uh, but, but in high school, it was mainly photography, I would say. Yeah, cool. What about entrepreneurial activities? Were you, you know, did, had the paper route or other things that you did? Or, or did the retail store yeah. pretty much suck up most of your time? Yeah, I, I can't point to a lot of things um, yeah. in, in my high school days, although... Once I got into college, I think that started to become more apparent. Did you like retail early on? Um, you know, we all kind of liked being part of the store. Yeah. And yeah. we liked being able to contribute. And I think right. as, as kids, it felt good to be part of how we all yeah. made money and how right. we supported the business. Right. And we learned a lot. I mean, my, all of my brothers t- have taken away a lot of things from those early days in the store not only from my father being in the store but from my grandparents who were in the store with us during those uh, childhood days right. and there's still things that we talk about all of these mm. years later uh, that came from being in the store yeah yeah so you went on to Bates um, tell us a little bit about the choice of going up there and, and studying rhetoric from what I understand well first of all I chose Bates uh, amongst a, a, a a grouping of schools that I looked at because it felt a lot like the high school. It was small. Mm, it felt like the high yeah. school I went to and you could ski. <laughs> so, uh, Key driver. <laughs> priorities. Uh, I, I love to downhill ski and yeah. uh, being in, in, in Maine, it was access to some good skiing. And right. I also, 
I also had a great interview with their, their then uh, director of admissions. So I, I like Bates. Um, Did you compete on the ski team? I'm, I'm no, sure they probably no. had one. No, no, okay. no, it was just amateur, but yeah. but but I love to ski. Awesome. And in your field of study, tell us about the choices. So, uh, contrary to what it may sound like, the topic of rhetoric is not the art of BS. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you tried to explain that? Right. <laughs> uh, thousands and thousands of times. Because you say art rhetoric and people think like a mm. negative kind of thing. And the right. next people ask, the next thing people ask is whether I was on the debate team. Right. And, of course. and I, wa- yeah. I didn't do debate. I wasn't right. on the debate team. And, yeah. and rhetoric at the time was a pretty small, was a pretty small major. Uh, it, it only existed at Bates and in Texas at the huh. University of Texas. And, wow. and I tell people basically it's the art of persuasion through uh, visual and written communications. Hmm. Right, right. And has that helped you through your career? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, in fact, sounds like a good foundation for business. Yeah, there was a good foundation that people who were rhetoric majors uh, basically went into business or went into law, and those were the two biggies. Right. Uh, I can tell you that I have recited things from my my studies as a rhetoric major year after year to employees and other people I might be mentoring. Uh, and, you know, there were, there were several pieces or nuggets of importance from that major that have helped right. me along the way. Right. Awesome. So you uh, did an internship at L.L. Bean, and we talked about that when we spoke a couple of mm-hmm. months ago. It stayed up in the main area for a while. It, it, tell us about kind of the, the interest there. Was, again, the early retail background attracted to that? Did you just like the outdoor, you know, aspects of what L.L. Bean had to offer and, you know, your subsequent jobs from there? Or, you know, what, what, what kind of kept you up in that part of the world? Well, I like the retail aspect of it. I was intrigued with L.L. Bean. Uh, certainly, they were uh, unique at, at the time. Yeah. And great, to think that story. I could slip my way in the door there and, and learn what happened under the covers was attractive to me. Right, right. Cool. And uh, did, you, did you go to work for the full time or was it just an internship? It, it was basically uh, an internship where yeah. I t- took a little time off. And, um, and then I ended up working for uh, a, a PR agency yeah. in, in Portland. Right, and then got into retail after that point, I understand. Yeah. Was, that, was point, that the family business? Yeah, my, 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 my dad was ready to retire, yeah. and he said, hey, if you're interested in this, speak now, because right. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to retire, and the time is now. And so I, uh, I, I, I made the decision, went into the business, because it was a lucrative business that had provided yeah. a, a good, you know, a good solid, uh, income for my dad all those years, right? And he uh, he very very quickly handed me the reins. Felt very, <laughs> you know, he was anxious to. Well, you were his last hope. Out. You were the last that's, son, that's right? right? That's I mean, right. Did he have the conversation with the three older brothers well, as well? Well, my, my my older brother was actually in the business, but he What's had it? he had created two stores of his own okay. uh, in yeah. New Jersey, and he wasn't right. interested in the original store. So yeah. uh, my oldest brother was kind of in the business, but not um, in the store my dad was in. Right, right. So, so you, uh, you took it over. You quickly took over the reins. You, you did that for about eight years. And, yeah, um, betr- yeah, between eight and nine years. And yeah. um, I had opened three stores at that point and kind of hit that first epiphany in life or that first fork in the road where you say to yourself, it, 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 am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Right, do, do, I, right. do I see myself doing this? And while 
the retail aspects and certainly running the company, having 80 employees, are all very sort of fun to do on the one hand. Right. Uh, small retail is really, really tough. Yeah. It's it's even yeah. tougher today than it was all those years back then. H but how many stores then? then? Was there was there just one or was there, there multiple? Uh, there were three th three, three stores. Three I stores. was running three stores. I was shuttling yeah. in be in between the three of uh -huh. them. Uh -huh. You know, moving merchandise and and uh, I had a truck that I drove and I moved right. things around, and uh, I wasn't necessarily looking to get out. In fact, mm -hmm. I had a fourth store that I was queuing up um, at the time when uh, I happened to get a communication from someone from Orvis oh. and then they were looking for a, a basically a consultant on a very very short small gig to help them with their luggage design luggage mm -hmm. redesign yeah. and I had done some luggage design as part of an organization uh, that uh, that I belong to for the stores and I said and I, I said you know this looks like fun yeah. and I've kind of used that yardstick all along my career it looked right. like fun right. I talked to them I, I drove up to, to Vermont and it, it, you know, I could do it in my sleep, what they wanted me to do. And so I, I did that, and uh, they, they said, wow, you're really good at this. Why don't you do some more? And so, okay, <laughs> I, I did a little bit more. And you're doing this on the side. You were still running oh, yeah. the, the, the running my stores. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I had managers in the stores. So I, I went up to sure. Vermont, did this on the side. There's no such thing as remote work back then. Right, uh, right. No such thing as Zoom or any of that. Yep. And, and uh I, I did another project and they said, you know, you're really good at this. You, you should just come on, on board and be a product designer. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, I looked at my wife and said, well, well yeah. yeah, this is the fork in the road. Right. And, and uh, I, I would be making close to what I was making in, in, the, in the retail stores hmm. for you know, work that was a lot physically less demanding. Yeah. Yeah. And intellectually more demanding. Yeah, and funner, and, right? And, and yeah, just, more fun. yeah, just more yeah. fun. Yeah. And, you know, I was tied to a beeper back then with my oh stores. Boy. And so <laughs> I was working seven days a week. You know, we had mall stores, so they were open all kinds of hours at Christmas. For, for those in the audience who don't know what a beeper is, <laughs> do you want to explain that, right. Brad? <laughs> yeah, well, my, my daughter, who's a surgeon, still carries one. Uh, but well, but uh, uh, the, a beeper is that little box that goes on your belt. And the, 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 it beeps at you and tells you to call pager, someone for a message. Right. The, the yeah, it's page a, pa you, a pager, right? Pager a to find a phone and call someone. That, with that's it, right, right. That's right. right. <laughs> so, so I, I was kind of married to the pager, and I uh, right. really didn't like it. So uh, I made the decision to to take take on what they offered. I still right. had the stores. Actually, ran the stores remotely for you about did. A, okay. a year. Because I was going to ask yeah, you from about that. from Vermont. Oh. I commuted back from Vermont to New Jersey and back right. and forth on weekends. Right. And to, to see how it would go, you know, to tr sort of try it out and try, try before, uh, yeah, before, try before you buy the, yeah. <laughs> the big commitment. And um, uh, finally made the decision to sell the stores. Wow. And I closed, uh, I closed two of them and sold the remaining one. And the folks uh, who I sold to were actually the, the, the landlords of the building who also oh. own businesses. And, and they ran the store for a good 12, 15 years after that. And, wow. uh, and uh, how did your dad? How did your dad feel? Was your dad still with us at that time? Yeah, or? yeah. I mean, he under, he, understood. he understood. I think he, yeah. I think he felt a little uh, down about it, but yeah. he, he understood the economics because it was his. It was his dad's store. Uh, absolutely. Right? Was yeah. a, this is you were the third yeah. generation. He, yeah. he wasn't incredibly sentimental about it. He right, understood right. the he understood the math. The math he understood yeah. the economics, right. and he just wanted me to be happy. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Um, That's great. So uh, supported you through it. Yeah. 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 And then how was that transition? Because, you know, seven, eight years, that's a long time. You know, right. you were running your own show and then all of a sudden you had several bosses, I'm sure, up the line. Orvis was how big at the time? Uh, Orvis was probably between two and $250 million in sales. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and and I was a, it, all of a sudden sort of an executive. And right, right. Um, it, it kind of felt fun. Uh, yeah. And on the one hand, I, d I wasn't responsible for everyone. <laughs> And, and, it was kind of a relief in that regard, it was kind right? Of, kind of a relief, and it was fun <laughs> to create product. I had yeah. a I had a yeah. really good time designing product. They had a domestic factory that we worked with wow. in uh, in Missouri, of all places, wow. and and I had a great time designing the product. And mm. and uh, I did that for a while, and then they promoted me, and all of a sudden I was a I, I was in charge of 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 a section of Gift and Home. Wow. And, yeah. and catalog development and, and product development. And so we were off to the races. Yeah. And then you kind of went back to some other entrepreneurial things. And then you returned to Orvis, right? You actually came back later. Is that correct? That's r yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. They, they kind of called me after I had done a quite a bit of uh, web development work and, right. and web marketing. Started in, in digital, right? I mean, right, we, what we call digital e-commerce now. Right. I guess we didn't yeah. call it that then. But, yeah, right. sort of the beginning of the 2000s. And they yeah. said, how would yeah. you like to come back? We've got, huh. we've got this challenge we're working on. And we think, uh, based on what you've done you know us and you'd be great at it and so uh, my wife kind of looked at me sideways and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we moved do you remember moved the reason again. why you left yeah <laughs> we moved once again went back to vermont wow. built a new house again yeah. and, and i was there for quite a while longer but yeah. doing something very different and right. doing right. digital That's really helping them get their e-commerce set up I think, yeah i was head of e-commerce and yeah. VP of, yeah. eventually vp of e-commerce yeah. and yeah. Um, it was fun, and I liked working for Orvis. I liked working for the Perkins family, yeah, uh, who yeah, were the fantastic. owners. Fantastic. And then back to some more kind of entrepreneurial things again before coming to Dover, and you've been about right. five years there. So yeah. help us kind of understand that path. You know, you, you, you had the family, but I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, you know, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, I said, you've got such a great background because here you have this family business. You know, you could have probably run that for, you know, many, many years. You could have passed it on to your children, et cetera. You chose to go work for corporate. Then you did some entrepreneurial things, went back to the same corporate, more entrepreneurial. And tell us about that path. Was it just kind of always pursuing new and interesting and, and fun things to do? Or were, did opportunities just kind of come along and, you know, you talked it over with your family and said, hey, let's go give this a try for a while? I, I would characterize it as first, everything that I've ever done has been in retail in one right, form or another. Right. And, yeah. and all started from, you know, rolling out of the cradle into the retail business. <laughs> and, Literally, yeah. And, and then the progression that you just painted was really more about ever-growing levels of responsibility mm, mm. and something about you know, the, the higher and higher uh, path. You know, right. First director, then VP, and then yeah, a CEO, yeah. and then, C, then a president, and then CEO again. And right. in each one of those cases, I felt like I could add something mm. to the equation, mm. and that's what attracted me. In most yeah. cases, you know, a recruiter came and found me, Right, and right. and we thought that uh, it would be great for the family because I'd be making more money, right, and sure. and uh, we just kept going along that path. But yeah. it's all been retail, every single job. Yeah, and, and you know, that's after the common a, thread. Yeah. After a while, uh, when recruiters would would call me because they they knew me at this point, and they would call me with something other than retail, I'd say, <laughs> you know, it it sounds like it sounds interesting, but I'm a retail guy. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I do. And you like and after all of this time. 
it, it, it's a retailer that, 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 uh, that's in my blood. What do you think that makes people successful in retail? If you, if you think about that as a career, you know, I, yeah. it retails, you know, I do a lot of work in my recruiting business and hospitality and in, in restaurants and hotels. And, you know, it just takes a certain brand of person to do that work. You know, you've got to be very customer service focused. That's you've right. got to yeah. love working long hours. <laughs> you don't mind getting the beeper wrong at two in the morning if there's an emergency, you know, and you, you gladly get up with a smile on your face and you'll deal with it. What, what are kind of the parallels for the retail industry for you, Brad? Yeah, you know, I can't say that I'm the guy who loves getting the call at 2 in the morning, <laughs> but, but, but I, I can say that I enjoy the marketing and the product development side of it the mm. most. I've, mm. I've always called myself a merchant, and yeah. that encompasses product development as well as the marketing. Mm. And yeah. even today, even to this day, I love proofing the catalogs. I love going into the stores. I travel to our stores mm. to today. And I love spending time in the stores because every little tweak I can make makes the persuasion of what we do mm. more effective to sell stuff. Mm. And, mm. and I think if you boil it down to what I enjoy most, it's seeing the arguments being made, whether it's oral or, or written or digital, and, and seeing people bite and seeing people yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, take what we, what we have to offer. That's the carrot. Huh? Yeah. You, 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 well, you love that when they yeah, when you see that I, response. Yeah, I, I do. And, and, you know, when I think people who enjoy retail uh, understand that we're, we're, here to, we're here to serve. It's a service yeah. business. Yeah. Right. And it's changed. Retail, how uh, retail executives have changed over the year. You know, I'm sort of a dying breed at my age <laughs> of having, having actually started on the floor and and been in retail stores in several different settings in several different companies, there's a lot of kids today who have never had that that's experience. Right. Yeah, that's they're, right. They're doing yeah. online retail, right. and they've never worked in a Macy's. Never stocked they've never, a shelf. They've yeah. never stocked yeah. a shelf. And I yeah. think that's really too bad. I, yeah. I think yeah. uh, I would give advice to people, look, if you can work in a, in a chain retailer for even a little while, there is benefit to doing so because Everything in retail is based on the physical store. Every website is based on the physical store. And I do believe it's important that people get some experience in physical stores. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, even Amazon's now going back to physical stores. That's, That's right. a figure, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So you got involved in digital or you know, e-commerce early as referred to today. Was that an insight that you had? Did you get, was there a certain job that you kind of got into? I know that it was... Uh, uh, post Orvis, if I'm not mistaken, right? When you when you kind of got into the digital side, or was it pre that? No, it was actually after your first time with, with Orvis. Yeah, yeah. And and did you have some insights? Did you kind of feel that Wait. this was coming? Or tell us about that. Well, you know, it's funny. I've always liked computers, and yeah. Yeah, my 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 senior thesis in college was the uh, the the IBM Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Uh, commercials. I remember those. On the original PC. <laughs> That's and, right. And so yeah. I studied that and I was interested in the way uh, uh, IBM co-opted uh, Charlie Chaplin to sell right. uh, yeah. a computer, which of course Charlie Chaplin would roll over in his grave if he, oh, ever, gosh. If yeah. he ever knew, knew yeah. that. Uh, and so I've always had this interested interest mm. in, in computers and pushing buttons and, and stuff like that. Right. And, and it seemed a natural progression uh, to hmm. to meld my uh, merchant and product yeah. development skills into the digital platform. 
Yeah, yeah. Were you out ahead of it? Did you you got involved fairly early? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, you had obviously some experiences there. Yep. Did yep. did you did you kind of see or have a feeling at the time that you know retail would really be quite literally transformed? Yeah, um, I did. I did. I mean, yeah, this yeah. this is in like 1999. Yeah, right. When I started to get yeah. a feel for it, and yeah. and I, I remember conversations with my peers at Orvis at the time thinking, you know, is this going to be a thing or what? And right. uh, it very quickly started to snowball, although the acceptance within the mm. industry happens more slowly. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and when someone called for me to go and, and do digital for them, I, I jumped because I, I really saw that That's this the was future. the next thing. And yeah. I w- I'm not sure, I wasn't sure at the time how big it would be or right. what kind right. of transformational thing it would be, but it smelled right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about kind of how your leadership has changed over the years. Have, have you have you seen, particularly with the digital e-commerce impact, has is, is that had an impact on the way that you've managed others and, and, you know, led your organizations in terms of, you know, kind of the strategic direction on, on how you've led these various retailers over the years? I, I think I would put it this way, Brent. Over time, I've gained miles on the odometer. And, <laughs> and in the process of doing that, I've learned a lot. And if you look at sort of the first half of my career, even maybe the first 60% of my career, I was learning like crazy. I, I was doing on-the-job learning. Yeah. I was learning how to become a CEO. I was learning how to mentor staff. I was learning about this developing online industry, which nobody was there to teach you about. Right. You taught yourself. Right. My, my dad, always before he passed, he would always say to me, how did you learn how to do this stuff? <laughs> and, and he was, of course, incredibly proud, but he, he, and he, he never was able to use a computer in his life, but he, he, he was always amazed at how I learned how to do this. And I said, Dad, I've just taught myself based on what I've seen others do. Yeah, and so yeah. for the first part of my career, it was really about learning. And then mm. I, I hit a point where I started to feel really more confident about what I knew because it was working. And I felt like I had a lot to share with others. Mm. And so now that I'm sort of on, on this other side of my career, I really lean on what I've learned over the years in other roles in what I do today. Yeah. And I'm constantly yeah. sharing with my team uh, anecdotes and nuggets and things that I've learned in other places right. to help them along in, in what we do today. Yeah, yeah. So you've been with Dover uh, coming up on five years, I guess, about four and a half years now. Um, you were recruited there, I assume. Or, yes. or was it a family connection? Yep. Great. And tell us a little bit about the business. I, I know, as we mentioned in the in the bio, you, you're you know it, it's the largest North American or American satellite company, and equestrian supplies, I Question. guess, is is, right. is, yeah. is is the better sector. Yeah. You know, what what was the attraction to the company, and you know what is it about uh, that opportunity well, that that you uh, know it's it's kind of funny. They 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 needed a new CEO, yeah. and. Uh, my family has been equestrian. At that point, oh, okay. we had had horses in the backyard for wow, something wow. like uh, 10 or 15 years that right. my, girl, my girls were riding. So the fact that they were able to attract a multi-channel retailer who also had equestrian <laughs> Who knew experience, a little bit about the business, yeah. Yeah, it, it was like a bonus. Um, but they didn't, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't hire me because I had horses in the backyard. They hired right. me because I had operations and I'm an operator. Yes. And, and I, I've kind of, you know, I, I mentioned they called myself a merchant 
and I've, I've morphed now that I'm a CEO for the second or third time, depending on how you count, uh, into an operator. That's right. what I do best. Right. And as an operator, you, you're doing all kinds of different things, but leveraging the people around you, and it's mm. a team effort. It's a, I've got a great team here. Um, they needed someone who could transform the business. It had recently been acquired by private equity. And um, you know the, the person who had ran the business prior to me ha had left. Right. And there were a lot of changes that need to be made. And so I was attracted by the fact that I felt like I knew what needed to be done. Mm. Of course, uh, little did I know there was a lot more than what I thought <laughs> I needed to be done. Uh, How does that happen? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it always seems to happen. Uh, oh, yeah. but, um, but that's part of the challenge. And yeah. that's part of what I enjoyed. I enjoyed fixing things. I enjoyed right. creating value uh, for the ownership. And I enjoyed building a, a, a better company for our customers. Right, right. How many stores, how many employees, and within the you know, yeah. confidentiality of private ownership, can, can you sure. tell us a little bit yeah. more about your scope? Yeah. yeah, we've got 33 stores in, wow. in the U.S. National? Uh, all, all, yeah, across the country. Canada yeah. as well, Mexico? Not, no. no, not in Canada, just, just all in the U.S., yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least at the moment. Right. Um, a very healthy online business. Wow. Uh, we, we send catalogs, we still do. Wow. Uh, yeah. We shoot photography uh, for the catalogs. We send the best looking catalog for equestrian that anyone has ever done. <laughs> um, very proud of that. We're sending yeah. another one out in two weeks. Uh, and we're truly, and uh, sort of the overused word by now, we're truly an omni-channel retailer mm. because we yeah. operate in all channels, phone, chat, email, uh, you know, stores, and stores are very important to us. We do yeah. a great job in our stores and our customers want to be in our stores. You'd never be a complete 100% e-commerce business. I, you know, I was more e-commerce in one of my last jobs, uh, two, right. two or three roles ago. Right. And I always felt like I was missing that store component. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But d does the consumer or the customer of yours need to have that store component? Uh, I feel that in the current business they do. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they need to come into the store smell the leather, yeah, yeah. get fitted get fitted for some things that are very, very difficult to fit. Right. Uh, and they love to schmooze with, with other people yeah, in the store. Sure. And, Talking and all about of, it. All, yeah. all of our, all of our uh, uh, people, all of our staff in the stores are all riders or, they, or they've been uh, before or right. they're ri rider moms. And yeah, our customers yeah. love to schmooze with, with our staff. <laughs> it's a real reason to come into the store. I love it. And are the stores and locations where you would typically have you know, the Newport, Rhode Islands, right? Or the Montecito, Californias, you know, are you in locations where there typically is a lot of, you know, equestrian activities or, or not so much, you know, it's major metro markets across the country. Uh, our stores are in places where we have a significant mass of English equestrian riders. Ah, and okay. that's yeah. demonstrated by their online business right. and their catalog business. And we know that there's an opportunity to make a difference. Wow, fantastic. And, and more store opportunities. I mean, I would have thought there's probably yep. more than 35, uh, 35 communities where that exists in the U.S. Yep, yep. We've got a list of, of, of areas that we go. We pick them very, very carefully uh, because we have no interest in going in and going out quickly. Right, right, so right. we do our homework and then we get yeah. the very, very best possible real estate deal we can find. Yeah. yeah. 
How have you guys done through the pandemic? Has it been tough for you? Has there been, you know, some mm -hmm. store closures like some of the retailers have happened, et cetera? Or has it yeah. been staying fairly uh, buoyant through this period? Well, you know, it, the pandemic has been tough on everyone. There's no yeah. two ways yeah. about it. And, right. and, and back in, you know, back in, in March when it all started and, and people thought the world was going to come to an end, <laughs> uh, you know, we didn't know what to think either. And sure. so we made some, some drastic changes and we eventually ended up with, uh, you know, the stores closed for a period of time with our managers in each store doing ship from store. Uh, uh, but we, we mm. actually came out of the pandemic in a very strong place. Uh, cool. funny, funny as it may seem, yeah. but due to inventory management and some very, very uh, strong, quick actions that we took during the worst of that, the mm. closure period, we came out and we had actually started uh, doing very, very well before the pandemic. Mm. You know, a lot of the transformation of the business that we had been working on ha had all started to come to fruition before the pandemic. And then we just picked up where we left off afterwards. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we've had a very, very strong year uh, yeah. afterwards. Congratulations. Great stuff. Well, I, I'm sure people literally and figuratively gnawing at the bit, right? <laughs> Get yeah. back out and ride again. Oh, gracious. Now, uh, company culture, you know, the, the CEO drives that. You know, the, mm -hmm. you've certainly experienced that in multiple country, companies and, 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 you know, your own business as well. You know, how would you kind of describe, you know, Dover's company culture? And, and, and more importantly, how do you get that more communicated right. <laughs> directly out to the, to the rank and file? Right. Well, uh, the, the first thing I've always told people in any place I've worked is if you're not enjoying what you're doing, go find something else. Yeah. Life's too yeah. short. Right. You, you really have right. to enjoy your work to yeah. really make it meaningful. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't enjoy their work. But mm. to me, uh, if I'm not enjoying it, I got to do something else. Yeah. So right. the key thing about most of the people in most of the positions is that they really want to be there. Yeah. There the yeah. are associates in our stores are there because they're enjoying what they do. They might be able to get paid more down the street someplace else, right. but right. They, they are enjoying, they've got a huge uh, uh, employee purchase benefit. Yeah, they're they, riders. So they're they riders. <laughs> they get the they discount. They get the discount, but they enjoy being with other riders. Yeah. They enjoy yeah. talking to customers. So and basically it's their passion yeah. that they're right. able to work in. Yeah. And so from our store perspective, that really covers them. From our, from our staff perspective, again, many are writers, um, right. some aren't, but many are, and they all enjoy what they're doing, whether mm. it's creating product or whether it's, it's doing customer service, they're enjoying what they're doing. They, mm. enjoying, they enjoy being with others. If you think about, we have a, our own warehouse, we've got about 80 people in the warehouse, and again, they could be working in any warehouse that they wanted to be, but they're working in our warehouse because they enjoy being with the people they're with, they, yeah. they like the way they're treated, they're treated fairly, uh, and they in, enjoy being part of the solution. So if I have to put my finger on it, the one thing I'd say is it's got to be fun or at least yeah. enjoyable right. uh, to be a great place to work. Right. And you enjoy it as well. So you, you, you exemplify that with your employees and your staff. I do enjoy it. And the yeah. moment I stop enjoying it is the moment yeah. I'd stop doing it. <laughs> Time to move on. What do you do when you're, or, or, or really, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire? Is, is it that passion? Well, I look for someone, first of all, who's honest, who's, who's trustworthy, mm -hmm. who's telling yeah. it to me the way it is, uh, right. and, and who I believe has something to add to the equation, just like mm -hmm. I think about myself. 
um, do they have some knowledge or do they have a skill set where they can add and not subtract? Right. Um, and if they are reliable, uh, you know, and they show up, which is a huge, a huge part <laughs> of, of work these days. Particularly recently, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and if they if they don't, you know, continually look at the clock, but understand right. that right. they're making a contribution, that's somebody I'd like to hire. Yeah, yeah, cool. And um, any favorite interview questions? I mean, you know, it's so hard in an interview situation, and I'm not talking about maybe people at the retail level. I know you've got managers that do all that. But when you're looking at folks in your C-suite, you know, that cultural you know, um, acceptance and that cultural affinity is so important. Are, are there ways that you kind of get at that? How do you, you know, kind of get, you know, below the surface, so to speak, right. in an interview situation? Well, there's been, as you know, books and books and books and <laughs> books and books written on how to do interviews. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I've sort of paid some attention to that in the first half of my career. But at this point, my style, and it isn't necessarily right for everyone, but my style is to just talk. And, mm. and, and to talk with someone and, you know, get them to let their guard down. I always yeah. start an interview with, this This isn't very formal. I'm not a very formal guy. I'm not going to ask right. you all kinds of crazy questions. So this is just a conversation. And I, I let my staff ask the technical questions. I let yeah. my staff sure. make sure that they're right for the, for the role. Qualifications are there. What I, yeah, what, what yeah. I want to know is the kind of person they are and mm. kind of get under the covers a little bit about what they think, what they do, what they like to do, you know, where do they live? What's their, what kind of sports they play? And if you get someone talking and you get them to let their guard down mm. about this is an interview, <laughs> they will, you, you, will typically, you will typically see either strong flags to the positive yeah. or some red yeah. flags to the negative. Yeah. And it's, I've, I've had a, a pretty good track record using mm. my gut and using the conversational method mm. Uh, to knowing whether somebody will work out or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that fit with you is so important. Great. Well, Brad, you've been very, very generous with your time, but we always ask one last question of all our guests. And, you know, that's kind of what career and life advice would you give someone who maybe has their eyes on the corner office. Maybe they're in a family business or thinking about selling it and going to the corporate world. Or, you know, maybe they've just decided this is what they want to do. And, you know, what would you tell someone? And, you know, a lot of our listenership are kind of the late 20s, early 30s, and, you know, they're looking for some career advice and direction. Uh, what would you tell them? Getting experience in a multitude of things is never a bad thing. Hmm. Um, making sure you have retail experience, as I've said, is uh, retail experience on the floor yeah. is, is yeah. always uh, critical. But mentoring from someone who hmm. can teach, mentoring from someone who can share what they've learned. I, I've mentored many people over the years. Yeah. And, and mentoring doesn't have to be anything formal. You just find someone to hit your wagon to. Sure, sure. And, and you've and been mentored too, I'm sure, along the I, way. I have, I yeah, have. Yeah, and yeah. and I, I remember pieces of advice that I've been given uh, right. over the years by, right. by others. Uh, but I have several people who work with me today who I worked with at Orvis, who mm. I worked with at Yankee Candle. Yeah. And, and they're on my team today because yeah. they enjoyed working with me. They felt like they learned something from me right. and they right. also believe in the mission. And yeah. if you believe in the mission of what you're doing and you're having fun, that's what counts. There you go. Well, Brad Walonsky, CEO at Dover Saddlerly, thank you so much for sharing your experiences into the corner office. My pleasure, Brent, glad to be with you. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.